All right, how many ladies excited for Woman 2016? Well, I know I am. <laughs> All right, it's going to be great. We'll give you more information at the end of the service. Uh, so glad you guys are here. Everybody doing all right today, family? You guys good? Come on, it's Mother's Day. Good to be in church. Wow! You know it's a special day because I'm wearing a sports jacket. You're welcome. Just for you. A teacher uh, went to her class, second grade teacher, and she was teaching them about magnets. And she had one there. It was just demonstrating everything that a magnet does. The next day when the kids came in, she said, we're going to have a little test today over everything that we learned yesterday. On that test, there was a question. It says, uh, I'm a, I'm a six-letter word that begins with M, and I pick things up. What am I? 50% of the class answered Mother. Uh, today we recognize all those who know what it's like to reheat a cup of coffee 16 times in one day. All those moms with sticky floors, filthy ovens, leftovers in the refrigerator. All those that know what it's like to prepare a meal, serve the meal, only to have to sweep up a lot of the meal off the floor after the meal. Those that speak the language of sippy, passy, Binky, lovey, and 6,000 other words that end in the sound E. Today we recognize mom. Someone once said, motherhood is a choice you make every day to put someone else's happiness and well-being ahead of your own. To teach the hard lessons, to do the right thing even when you're not sure if it is the right thing. And then to forgive yourself over and over again when you don't do the right thing. The problem with Mother's Day is this, it can be really brutal for some of us. Because there's some ladies that are in this place, and you, you feel burdened and beaten down right now. I'm so glad that you're here, because in the presence of God is fullness of joy. Maybe you're in a place, you just need some prayer. We'll, we'll have an opportunity, we have our prayer team, it's always up here, but please. I believe that God's going to encourage you, even during this message, but, but don't leave here today if you have something that you need prayer for. The truth is that we have some ladies that have lost a mom. Some ladies whose mom is really sick right now. Some ladies that are facing the empty nest. And some of you are rejoicing over that, and some of you are not that excited about it. Some are in that season. Some moms that have wayward children, because they're wayward, you you feel like maybe you're failing as a mom. Maybe some moms that have lost a child. So Mother's Day just reminds them of the pain of that loss. Some single moms, man, just trying to keep all those plates spinning, keep everything perfect, but they're not sure how long they can do it. Some women that long to be mothers, but maybe for one reason or another, it's, it doesn't seem possible right now. Maybe some that have multiple preschoolers, and you're just wondering, when is the season ever going to end? <laughs> maybe some moms that are Entering into a blended family, and you're still trying to figure things out. You haven't quite figured out your pace and your rhythm. You're struggling. The word says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight: 28. Come to me, all you. Everybody say, me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I think that's what God would want to do for every mom in this place. For certainly for all of us. The one thing I know for sure is this. Being a mom is the hardest job on the planet without a doubt. I just want to pray for us this morning. Lord, thank you for 
being here. We love to worship you. Uh, we love to exalt you and honor you. I just pray that every person in this room would be encouraged. I pray that every mom, no matter what season of life they are, whatever the situation and circumstance is surrounding who they are as a mom, I pray that they would be encouraged. I pray that no attack of the enemy, no lie of the enemy that would come in would distract them away from you speaking to who they are as your daughter. And that every person in this room, and especially the moms, would be encouraged by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Cody was going to speak this morning, and I was already sensing the disappointment when I got on stage this morning, because you would all rather hear from her, and as far as you're concerned, she should have my job. So just hold on just a second, because, because she was going to speak, and, I, and, and she wanted to speak, but Mother's Day is a little earlier in the month this year, and we had two birthday parties and three fitness frenzies. Any moms fitness, fitness frenzying through the week? Okay, that will kill you. That, that in and of itself will just exhaust you to no point. So, so she was really busy, busy being a great mom, and I just knew she couldn't prepare. So you're stuck with me, and I'm sorry about that, but get over it. Men, <laughs> this service is not for you dudes. Uh, this is totally focused on women, and we're not going to apologize about it. If you want a message for you, show up for Father's Day, although I know you won't because the most attended service of the year is Mother's Day. The least attended is Father's Day. So, man, we need to get our acts together on all that. Today I want to look at some values of godly women. I want to start by just honoring my wife, Cody. We have four kids, and they are all leaders, which is our nice, friendly way of saying they're all strong-willed children. And uh, we love them, but, but man, she is incredible. She's incredible. Would you guys just give my wife a hand? Come on. She's a, kind of the mom of the house, does a great job with her kids. Plus, she's hot, which is great for me, and uh, all that. I want to talk about some attributes. Now, I will say this is going to be a little bit of a buffet, but a lot of it is coming out of a story that we read in our one-year Bible reading plan just in this weekend. It's the story of Hannah. Now, Hannah, in 1 Samuel, first couple chapters there, she was a wife to Elkanah, but Elkanah had two wives. How many are thankful we don't do that anymore? Praise God. Come on now. I don't know. <laughs> Why would any man want to do that to himself? But, uh, <laughs> no offense. But his other wife was Penina. Penina, okay? Uh, Penina, and, and that woman, man, was not a nice person. Penina, she had some kids, but Hannah couldn't have kids. And it was, it was breaking her heart. And so Penina would just terrorize Hannah all the time, just rubbing it in her face and making fun of her. And it's incredibly, incredibly rude and hateful things that would come from her. So Hannah, man, she would just go before the Lord and she'd be weeping and crying and just in anguish. And not necessarily even because of what Penina was doing, but because she so desired to have kids. Because it's built into a woman, you know, to have that desire to to have a child. And so she went before the Lord and she said, God, if you will honor my request of giving me a child, I'm going to commit him to the work of your house for the rest of his life. And she fulfilled that commitment. But in the process, I think there's a few things that we can learn from Hannah this morning. The first thing is this, the value of being in God's word and prayer daily. Another way to say it is the value of 
being in the house of God and in the presence of God daily because that's what she did. I'm so blessed to have women around me that live this out every day. My mom, Cody, almost daily, they, they grab the word and their co- coffee because you got to have coffee if you're going to pray in the morning. And they grab a devotional and a journal and they just go and seek the Lord. I'm thankful to have that. I've never once had to pray that, that Cody would fall in love with Jesus again. I've never had to pray that prayer. I'm thankful. I know she's had to pray that for me a few times, just that I would have a strong relationship with God, but I've never had it. And I know it's because she spent so much time with the Lord, seeking the Lord. Hannah, look, she could have been mad and bitter for so many different reasons because of how she was treated, because of the situation, the circumstance, but she didn't go there. Instead, she took it to God. She was honest with God about it. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Hannah replied, I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I was pouring my soul out to the Lord. She was responding to the priest. The priest was like, she was praying with so much anguish and so much emotion, the priest thought she was drunk. She's like, no, you don't get it. That's not, what I, that's not what's going on. I'm just so I'm torn up about this. That I can't have this one thing that I feel like I was created to do. So she's seeking the Lord. She's praying with intensity and purpose and just believing that God would heal her and help her. Psalm 37, 4 says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, then he will give you the desires of your heart. Don't read that verse the wrong way. It doesn't mean like, oh, if I delight myself in the Lord, he'll just give me whatever I want. No, it means that if you delight yourself in the Lord, then he will give you his desires. And his desires are the best desires that you could ever have. It's that place of trusting that can be difficult. But God listened. God understood and God cared when Hannah was bringing this prayer to him. The best place to make a decision or deal with heartache in your life is always going to be on your face before your heavenly father. That's where Hannah went with it. Psalm 62.8 says, Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. I'm so thankful for the power of prayer. I'm especially thankful for praying moms. There is no doubt in my life how many times my mom's prayers intersected some stupid decision that I made where I should have been hurt or killed or worse. (laughs) But my mom prayed. And those prayers, they reached the throne of God. And God intervened on my behalf because of those prayers. If you guys are thankful for praying moms, come on, let's give it up for every praying mom in this house. Thankful for them. Also, the value of joy. The value of joy. I'm thankful for the joy and the laughter the women in my life have demonstrated. My mom, my grandmother, Cody, certainly Cody's mom, Tammy. I mean, they all have a lot of joy. My mom doesn't have good jokes, but she is really funny. And she knows how to laugh at herself. And she knows how to bring joy into a situation. And Hannah, she had this in spite of everything that she went through. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1, my heart finds joy in the Lord. My head is lifted to the Lord. That's Hannah praying that. Proverbs 31, every, a lot of us know about that chapter in, in Proverbs. is the, the chapter that talks about the virtuous woman, right? But 
The problem is if you think that that's just about one woman, you can get really discouraged because you're like, man, I don't measure up. Like, first of all, I don't have a plow to, uh, a field to plow. And, and, and second of all, like, I, I'm not necessarily up before the crack of dawn every single morning. I'm not doing all these things. But really, it's just talking about characteristics of noble women in general and all these things. And one of the things that it says about this woman of God, this woman of noble character, she is clothed in strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. She laughs without fear. She smiles at the future, another translation says. What this is saying is, look, when you figure out the joy of the Lord, you understand there isn't a situation or circumstance. There isn't a stress. There isn't a worry. There isn't a doubt. There's none of those things that can steal the joy of the Lord. And there's nothing like having a home and having a wife and having a woman that is full of the joy of the Lord. I have never met a man that says, man, I just, I just really want to find a chick that's hateful and hates everybody. There's just, that's, man, it'd just be great. Just love to hang out with them. No, we, we want to be around women that bring joy. There's something powerful about it. Look, life is hard enough on its own. We need to laugh more. We need to relax some. Y'all need to relax. Y'all need to just chill out right now in this service, okay? And enjoy life. Laugh more. Too many people take themselves way too seriously, especially Christians. Look, Christians should be the happiest people on the planet. We should laugh more than anybody else. Too often, though, I just don't, I don't always see that. One of the churches I grew up in, they had, like, no joy. They were judgmental. They were legalistic. They were just mean people. I've talked about this before, but they sing that song, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And I'd be like, where? <laughs> it's down in my heart. Where? Really, really deep down there in my heart. And they just hated, they hated a lot of things. They hated everything. They especially hated dancing. Woo! Don't talk about dancing around these people. Oh, my goodness. If they found out, like to this day, a lot of them are dead and gone, praise God. But if they found out, (laughs) if they found out that we had a father-daughter dance in our church, oh, my goodness. They'd be burning crosses out in our parking lot. If we had a parking lot, they would be burning them out there like crazy. Look, they were against premarital sex because they thought it led to dancing. That was the whole thing. Like, <laughs> now, That's funny there. I don't care who you are. I noticed that too many use their inaccurate version of God to steal the joy from other people. God is full of joy. Mary and Martha, this story, these two sisters, and Jesus was hanging out like in their house. How many would like just Jesus to hang out in your house every day, okay? Well, this is a picture of this. This is what this can be like. And this can be a picture of your home. Because one of the sisters, man, she is running around like a chicken with her head cut off, just freaking out about everything. Like everything's going, organized and cook and clean, just going crazy. And Mary, where's Mary? Mary's sitting with Jesus. She's in Jesus' presence, enjoying the presence of Jesus. And Martha even tried to use it against Mary, like, Jesus, aren't you good? She's lazy. Can you see there's like a lot going on? And I, 
She's going to help me. Are you going to tell her to help me? Well, Jesus responded to her with a Martha, Martha look. Anytime you hear her name twice, that's like when your mom said your middle name. You knew you were, you were off. The Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. But only a few things are necessary. It doesn't say that nothing matters, but it just says that there's a few things that are necessary. There's a few things that are necessary, really only one, for Mary has chosen the better part. It goes on to say, for what she picked cannot be taken away from her. It's the joy of the presence of the Lord. One of the things that godly moms and godly women do is they, they go after this. The joy of the Lord in their home. Also, the value of marriage. The value of marriage. Now, I know some of you have gone through the pain of divorce and and I don't want you to live life in the rearview mirror. But I'm talking about every marriage that is active right now. And, and, and I'm also talking to every person that wants to get married. Look, every young person that's not married in this room right now, you want to have one good year of marriage before Jesus comes back. You know that's the truth. And some of you, you don't want to be married. The problem is you're married. <laughs> you got that. And... But there's this verse that talks about this. Look, Hannah loved her husband and her husband loved her. I mean, she, she honored her husband. She was respectful to her husband. There's a verse we talk about. You hear it around weddings a lot. And we've talked about it a lot around here in Ephesians 5.33. It says, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. I want to stop right there. Okay, this is really, really important because he's talking about loving the wife, but he's putting the emphasis on just love them the way you love yourself. God is smart because he knows how much men love ourselves. Let me give you an example. We will have a prayer team up front after the service. Like a beautiful woman could stand in front of a mirror and still find something wrong with her. A dude. Dude can be 80 pounds overweight, hairy back, the whole deal. Be like, what up, baby? Oh. I think I lost some weight. I think I see a muscle in there somewhere. These women are so critical of themselves. So God's like, look, if you just love your wife like you love yourself, it's going to be good. But it goes on to say that wives should respect their husbands. Why does it say that wives should love their husbands? Well, if I went and interviewed any of the men in this room right now, Hey, tell me what your definition of love is. You know what they define? They define respect. That's what they define. Because for a man, that's what love is. It's just being, it's being respected. I, I don't know of a time that I've ever heard a man come and say that's having a difficult time in the marriage, come and tell me, man, I just don't feel like she loves me enough. <laughs> like, I don't ever hear that. They say, she's not respecting me enough. Maybe some men feel that way, but more than likely they wear scarves and they take bubble baths and get regular pedicures because it, it's just not something because most men, they think about it in respect to respect. I just want to be respected. I'm so thankful that one of the things that Cody does, one of the ways that she shows the most respect to me is that she protects the peace in our home. 
We heard uh, about a man in our church that when he would come home every day, he'd have to drive around the block three or four times praying just to prepare himself to walk into his own home. And I'm thankful that my wife does everything she can to protect me and to respect me by protecting the peace that is in our home. Because there is so much value in that respect. Husbands should love their wives and give themselves up just like Christ gave himself for us. It drives me crazy when I see little boys that call themselves men that are just not being men because they are loving themselves more than they're loving their wives and they're not living sacrificially for their wives. Men need to live that way to give their lives up for their wives and wives should respect their husbands. Another value, the value of a protector. The value of a protector Listen, mothers, no. Like even when you don't think they know, they know. My mom, with my brother, my sister and I, we got away with nothing. Like even when we thought we got away with something, we didn't get away with anything. Because she found out, because women just have this ability. It's like they're the closest thing on earth to omniscient. Like omnipresence, all-knowing, all-seeing. They just, it's amazing. And women know what all the other women are thinking. That's why they can carry on five different conversations and never talk. Like they just look at each other and know, I can be at a party. And it's just sitting there like, man, I, I probably should do something, kind of entertain these folks, you know? And I can look across the room and there will Cody be. You know what? I wasn't going <laughs> to. They just have this ability to know. I appreciate women who fiercely protect their homes, protect their kids like mama bear. And do whatever it takes. Now, here's the deal. And when I was growing up, my mom might have prayed for guardian angels, but she took on the role most of the time. She was protecting. She was guarding. Now, she didn't hover, though. Oh, man. There's a big difference here. I see a lot of moms, they just hover around their kids all the time. It's like they fall down, and they're just there immediately. My mom, she'd be like, get a stick, go play. When it's dark, I'll feed you. (laughs) They were giving me rifles when I was like six years old. They must have really loved me. I was just like, awesome. I killed so many birds illegally and stuff like that. But, but here's the deal. If, I, if we ever got in a spot where something was wrong or we were doing something we shouldn't have been doing, she was there. I don't know how she knew, but she was just there because she was protecting us, protecting the home. Also, the value of convictions. The value of convictions. Look, we live in a world where there's so many families that just don't know what they believe. They just don't know what they believe. They let everyone else tell them what they believe. And morals are slipping away like crazily. Like in my home, with my mom, like my mom, man, she firmly held to her convictions. Firmly held to her convictions. And I hated it sometimes. Because I just felt like, man, I just like, couldn't have any fun. You know? I mean, she wouldn't let me watch any rated, any of the good movies. Like, she wouldn't let me watch any of those. She just didn't want it to get in my heart. 
She wouldn't let me spend the night at some people's houses. She gave me a curfew. If you ever made the mistake of saying this, well, Mom, everybody's doing it. Oh, don't you even go there. She's like, well, if everybody's doing it, we're certainly not doing it. I've seen your friends. They're stupid. <laughs> You're right. First Thessalonians 1, 4 through 5. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. Listen, parents, there's no better friend that you will ever have raising kids than the Spirit of God. And you want to do it His way and not the way that every other parent is doing it. Do it according to the convictions of His Word. And here's the deal. You're going to have to hold tightly to your convictions because there is an all-out war on your convictions. There's an all-out war on what is truth and what gives life and life to the full. Look, I, I went to meeting and talking with way too many people where their parents were their buddy and their friend and not a parent. And because of that, they're in a world of hurt. The word equivocates discipline to love. Like it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Hold tightly to convictions. The last thing is this, the value of forgiving the unforgivable. The value of unforgiving the unforgivable. Women have a tendency to hold on to things a lot more. It's the way that God created you. That you, you're emotionally connected to things. But the only thing, I think one of the biggest things that could derail you from being the mom, being the wife, just being the woman that God has called you to be, is unforgiveness. Look, Hannah had to forgive. Hanina, man, that, that other wife was a tyrant. And she forgave her. How do we know? Well, it doesn't specifically say, but we know because Hannah fulfilled the call of God in her life. You cannot fulfill the call of God on your life. Live out life to the full. Fulfill your purpose, your calling, and be blessed by God if you walk around in bitterness and unforgiveness. You can't do it. You're too busy looking behind you. You can't walk forward. Jesus addressed this with Peter in his Gospels. In Matthew 18, 21, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Let me give you some context. Jewish law said you had to forgive three times. So Peter, being Peter, thought he was showing off. Like, I'd be willing to forgive somebody like twice as many as I'm supposed to, and I'd add one. What? I'm like a big deal, Jesus. Come on. And Jesus just knew, like, he didn't get it, man. His, he was off. This is what he said. I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And Jesus wasn't saying, once you forget 490 times, you're good. The point was this. If you're keeping track of how much you've had to forgive... Or how often you've been forgiven, you don't understand forgiveness. You don't get it. And Jesus went on to tell this story of this man that had this huge debt to this king. This huge debt. Upwards of $17 million debt to this king. 
And so he pleaded with the king and asked him, please forgive me this debt. And, and the king did. The king gave him grace, forgave a $17 million debt. Could you imagine? Some of you are like, man, I wish my credit card company would do that. But he walks right out the door, sees a guy that owns him seven bucks, and goes and demands that he pays him back. In fact, he goes and he begins to choke him. In Roman law, you could choke somebody that owed you money and didn't pay you back. We might want to bring some of that back now. Come on now. I'm just saying. But when the king found out that he was doing with this, he's just like, You're, you don't get it. And because you don't get it, because you didn't forgive that little thing, I'm not going to forgive you either. We need forgiveness in the home. We need women and we need moms that are walking in the freedom of understanding that they are forgiven. You're forgiven. It doesn't matter where your kid is at right now. It doesn't matter how off track they may be. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. If you are walking humbly and teachably before the Lord, he will forgive you. But what your kids need is you to walk forward into the fullness of who he created you to be. To be the the daughter, to be the mom, to be the woman that he created you to be. To walk in that forgiveness. And that's the case for every single one of us. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, I just pray that grace over every woman in this house. Just like Cody said, sometimes Mother's Day can be a reminder of inadequacies as moms. And and I know moms, I mean, they, on days like this, they, they may just go back and just recount the mistakes and recount where they're missing or just whatever it might be. They may be thinking about their mom. They may be thinking about a hurt or a wound or something, but that all those things are distractions. Lord, I pray that they will walk in the freedom of who you've called them to be. I pray that forgiveness, I pray that joy, I pray that protection. God, I pray conviction over every home in this house, over every family. And we thank you, God, for moms. We thank you that they, they hold it down in the home. God, strengthen them, embolden them, encourage them in only ways that you can to continue to not be weary in well-doing, but to count it as joy, Lord. If you're here today, and maybe you're dealing with, with some of that unforgiveness and that hurt, but the biggest reason why is because you've never experienced the forgiver. You've never experienced Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you did at one point or another, but you've just gotten off track. You you got distracted. Maybe it was by your own sin, your shame and guilt, something that happened. You thought maybe God didn't love you anymore. God couldn't forgive you, which is a lie from the pit of hell. But maybe it just got you off track. But right now, you need to come back to him. You need to rededicate your life to him. If you're one of those people this morning, nobody looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise you. But I just want you to give you a chance just to get right with God. The word says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that you can be saved. It's just a sign of you confessing that you need Jesus this morning. Nobody looking around, but if that's you, I just want to agree in prayer with you this morning. Just put your hand up right now all over this room. I I need to get right with Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Got it right here. Coming across here. Got it right here. Anybody else? Got it, buddy. Thanks, man. Anybody else? Come on. Jesus was not ashamed of you. He went to the cross. He carried your sin. Anybody else in this room? I just need to get right with Jesus this morning. Four hands, anybody else? Thanks. God's going to honor it. Thanks for being bold. Anybody else? All right. God, I thank you for every one of those people that raised their hand 
I thank you you would have come, Jesus, and died even if it was just for that one person. I thank you, God, that you're meeting us all where we're at right now. And if you just raise your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, you should have. It's okay. God knows where your heart's at. Just have an honest conversation with him. At one point, you need to go public with this. You need to tell somebody about it. The best way to go public is through water baptism. But right there, you can make a decision. Just talk to him. Just say, God, here's my life. I, I know it's messed up. I, I know I've made a lot of mistakes. I, I, I know that I can't save myself. So right now, in faith, I don't understand all the details, but, but I believe in faith, and I ask that you would come and be my Savior and be my friend. And I give you complete control of my life. Lord, I I want you to be in control. I want you to have control of my life as my Lord. God, help me to know what it means to live for you. Help me to understand more of your love and how to love others and more of your word. And lead me by your spirit and, and encourage me with the body of Christ. Be my Lord and Savior, my best friend for the rest of my life. God, I thank you for that prayer. I thank you for moving in every one of those people's lives. I just pray that you would be with every person in here, especially the moms, Lord. I pray that they would feel the favor of you in their lives, your hand on their lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand. We had a few people getting right with Jesus. Thankful for his word. Awesome. Hey, let's all stand together. We're going to worship God with our giving. If you're visiting this morning, don't worry about it.